0: Section 56 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 1, Part 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dave Wills The Father and Daughter Ellen was lying pale and tearful in her bed, by the side of which sat her father. The past night had worked a fearful change in the old man. His countenance was haggard, his look desolate and forlorn. At one moment his lips quivered, as if with concentrated rage. At another he wiped tears from his eyes. Ellen watched him with the deepest interest. And you persist in refusing to acquaint me with the name of him who has dishonoured you? said the old man in slow and measured turns. Oh, my dear father, why will you persist in torturing me? exclaimed Ellen. Do you think that I have not suffered enough? "'Oh, I can well believe that you have suffered, Ellen, "'suffered profoundly,' returned Monroe, "'for you were reared in the ways of virtue, "'and you could not have fallen into those crimes without remorse. "'Suffered? But how have I not suffered during the last few hours? "'When I read that fearful secret, I became a madman. "'I had but two ideas. "'My daughter was a mother, and her child's name was Richard.' What could I think? I went straight to the room where our benefactor was sitting. I closed the door. I approached him with the rage of a demon in my breast, and I said, "'Villain, is my daughter's honour the price of the hospitality which you have shown towards me?' He was thunderstruck, and I showed him the letter. He burst into tears, exclaiming, "'Could you believe me capable of such an infernal atrocity?' Then we reasoned together. We conversed upon the subject, and his noble frankness of manner convinced me that I had erred, grossly erred. He implored me to allow the night to pass ere I revealed to you the appalling discovery which I had made. He dreaded the effects of my excited state of mind. He thought that rest would calm me. But there was no rest for me. I retired to my room, and there, when alone, I felt that I could not endure meditation i came to your chamber and then oh god the doubt to which i had yet so fondly clung was dissipated my dear father if you knew all said ellen weeping you would pity me oh you would pity me do not think that i surrendered myself to him who is the father of my child in a moment of passion Do not imagine that the weakness was preceded by affection on my part for him who led me astray. Unhappy girl, what mean you? ejaculated Mr. Monroe. Would you rob yourself of the only plea of extenuation which a woman in such a case can offer? Speak, Ellen. I will tell you all, that is, all I know, said Ellen with a blush you remember that when we retained to live in that horrible court in golden lane the second since we were reduced to poverty do you remember what fearful privations we endured at length our misery reached the point where it became intolerable and one morning you set out with the determination of seeking relief from the bounty of richard markham i well remember it said munro proceed you can then call to mind the circumstance of my absence when you returned home to our miserable abode i do i do hours passed i had gold and you were absent ejaculated the old man with feverish impatience and when i returned home late continued ellen her voice scarcely rising above a whisper and her face neck and bosom suffused with burning blushes did i not bring you gold also merciful heavens cried munro starting from his seat say no more helen say no more or i shall go mad oh god i comprehend it all you went and sold yourself to some lipertine for gold the old man threw himself into his daughter's arms and wept bitterly father dear father calm yourself said ellen i I could not see you want i had no faith in the success of your appeal to him who has since been our benefactor i thought that there was but one resource left But," she added her eyes kindling with the fire of pride while her father sank back into his seat i called my god to witness that i acted not thus for myself oh no death sooner would have been my fate but you my dear father you wanted bread you were starving and-and that was more than i could bear i sinned but once but once and never never have i ceased to repent of that fateful step for my one crime bore its fruit monroe was convulsed with grief the tears trickled through the wrinkled hands with which he covered his venerable countenance his voice was lost in agonizing sobs and all he could utter were the words ellen my daughter it is for me to ask pardon of you Oh, say not so dear father say not so ejaculated miss Monroe, throwing her arms around him and kissing his forehead and hands no my dear father it was not your fault if misery drove me to despair but now you perceive she added solemnly that i was more to be pitied than to be blamed and and she murmured the falsehood at such a moment almost suffocating her you understand why i cannot tell you who was the father of my child there was something so terrible in the idea that a young virtuous and lovely girl had prostituted herself to the first unknown libertine who had bid a price for her charms something so appalling to a father in the thought that his only child had been urged by excess of misery and profound affection for him to such a dismal fate that munro seemed to sink under the blow for some time did his daughter vainly endeavour to solace him and it was only when she herself began to rave and beat her bosom with anguish and despair that the old man was recalled to a sense of the necessity of calming his almost invincible emotions the father and daughter were at length restored to partial tranquillity by each other's endeavours at reciprocal consolation and were commingling their tears together when the door opened markham followed by Marian, entered the room but what was the surprise of mr Monroe? what was the joy of ellen when marion advanced towards the bed and presented the child to his mother a parent must not be separated from her offspring said richard henceforth ellen that infant must be nurtured by thee oh good generous friend my more than brother exclaimed ellen with an ebullition of feeling that might almost be termed a wild paroxysm of joy and she pressed the infant to her bosom. "'Richard,' said Mr. Munroe, "'you possess the noblest soul "'that ever yet blessed or adorned a human being.' "'Marion stooped over the bed, "'apparently to caress the sleeping infant, "'but in reality to whisper these words in Ellen's ears. "'Fear nothing. "'I was sent to fetch the child, "'and Mr. Wentworth will keep your secret inviolably.' Ellen cast a look of profound gratitude upon Marian, for this welcome announcement assured her that the surgeon would never admit the fact of possessing any clue, direct or indirect, to the father of the babe which she held in her arms. In a few minutes, we say, she turned to her father and said, "'Our benefactor's goodness deserves every explanation from us. Tell him the extent of my misfortune.' Reveal to him the origin and cause of my shame. Let nothing be concealed. Ellen, said Richard, I know all. Forgive me, but I reached the door of your room when you were telling your sad tale to your father, and I paused because I considered that it was improper to interrupt you at such a moment, and if I overheard that affecting narrative, it was not a mean curiosity which made me stop and listen. It was the deep interest which I now more than ever feel in your behalf and you do not despise me said ellen hanging down her head despise you ejaculated richard i deeply sympathize with you oh no you are not criminal you are unfortunate your soul is pure and spotless but the world what will the world think said ellen when i am seen with this babe in my arms the world has not treated you so well ellen returned markham that its smiles should be deeply valued Let the world say what it will. It would be unnatural, inhuman, to separate a mother from her child, unless, indeed, he added, it is your desire that the innocent should be nursed amongst strangers. Oh, no, no, but my unhappy situation shall not menace your tranquillity, nor shall the tongue of scandal gather food from the fact of the residence of an unwedded mother beneath your roof. I will retire with my father to some secluded spot. Ellen, interrupted Markham were i to permit that arrangement it would seem as if i were not sincere in the interest and commiseration instead of the blame which i ere now expressed concerning you no unless you and your father be wearied of the monotonous life which you lead with me here will you both continue to dwell and let the world indulge in its idle comments as it will your benevolence finds a reason for every good deed which you practise said ellen Ah, Richard, you should have been born a prince with a princely fortune. How many thousands would then have been benefited by your boundless philanthropy? My own misfortunes have taught me to feel for those of others, answered Richard. And if the world were more anxious than it is to substitute sympathy for vituperation, society would not be the compound of selfishness, slander, envy, and malignity that it now is. It is settled then, Richard, murmured Ellen, that my babe shall henceforth experience a mother's care. And Ellen covered her child with kisses and with tears. At that moment the infant awoke, and a smile played over its innocent countenance. Ellen pressed it more closely and more fondly to her bosom. End of section fifty six.